You know, we learn this as we read the scripture or read the Bible, and that is, it is God who leads the people of Israel in the ancient text. This is a very interesting time to study the Bible. Good morning, good afternoon. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV on this Friday. Good to have you with us for the next half hour. We're going to study several things. Corey? Well, there are so many things that we could have focused on at the beginning of the book of Joshua, but we're going to go with probably the most famous. We're going to talk about Jericho today. Ryan? Today, I'm going to be talking about some daring escapes in the Bible, one of which happened in Joshua chapter 2. All right, very good. That's excellent. You know, Jericho is fascinating. I'm looking forward to this. That's going to be good. Janice? Fun Friday wrap-up. I'm going to ask a question. It's going to be based anywhere from Deuteronomy chapter 11 through to Joshua chapter 4. Now, Ryan and Corey are going to be on the hot seat, but you at home, I hope you'll play along as well. Joshua 3, verses 1 through 9. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was, after three days, that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Those are the four chapters we read today as we continue to go through the Bible. In one year, a 30-second time. It's very, very exciting, you know. The majority rule does not mean the majority is right. Let me, let me say that again. Just because the majority rules does not mean the majority is right. We are not wise enough to make the right decisions every time. But God is. He's perfect. God does not live in this world. We do, but God's Holy Spirit lives in us. And when God selected Joshua to lead Israel after Moses passed away, it was a perfect choice. God's kingdom is not a democracy. 
We worship a king on his throne. His rule is perfect. It's just, it's good, it's true, it's loving. What makes a good leader to God is different than our natural understanding. You see, it's not, it's not physical strength, super intelligence, being well-spoken or quick-witted. God's leader is spiritual. He's faithful, just, moral, strong, unwavering, God-fearing, caring for people and the weak, parental, a servant first, a guardian of innocence, unselfish, and self-sacrificing. But we choose a leader by voting on the outward appearances, whether or intended for policies or claimed virtues. But God chooses a leader based on what's in their heart. What does that mean? It means that God's chosen leader truly understands that there's no better leader than God himself. Absolutely true. God is the perfect leader. I know a lot of people here who are just, I mean, it's incredible. They're incredible with politics and everything else. And they just, I mean, I don't know what to think about it. But uh, I'll tell you that we need to pay attention to what God is saying. And Joshua is established here. And I think this is the perfect time to read Joshua chapter 3 and look at what God's choices are and what our choices have been. We need to pay attention because God will rescue us if we seek his word. And so take your Bible guide. If you don't have one, why not? Write for yours or call or go to Bible Discovery TV. And you can get, this is the February guide. We're coming up on March, but you can get the Bible guide right away. Another way you can do that is just by your seconds away. When you click on the page on the website, it takes you to a donate page. And I want to say thank you very much for your donation. You know, we really appreciate it. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and therefore keeps us alive. So that's the word of God in work today. And uh, it takes you to a PDF page and you can download it just as we printed it. And you're literally seconds away. So you can either follow us on the computer or follow us on the printed Bible guide as we read Joshua chapter 3 and talk about Joshua is established. Father God, I pray today, as we look at this, we think about a lot of things and we consider a lot of things, how we have done things, maybe, hasn't been right. I know I have made mistakes along the way. But Lord, there's a possibility that many people are willing to listen to you now. Help us to hear you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. And let's listen to the scripture as it speaks. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan River. He and all of the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, the officers did, they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, which is the object that God had them create, and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. In other words, let God lead the people. It is the Lord God who leads his people. 
And Jesus Christ is called and is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. Jesus Christ is fully the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We need to keep that in mind. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. All right, now as we think about that, let's move on because this gets even more interesting. Joshua chapter three, verse four says, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it. Don't come near that ark, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, get yourselves clean. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Interesting. Joshua reminds Israel that God is holy and sacred. He's holy and sacred. He's perfect. And the Lord Jesus is God. Jesus Christ is the Lord, beloved. And as we begin to study this, we understand that this is a totally different meaning than Jesus Christ the man. It's Jesus Christ the God. He's our God. One God. One God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One God. We need to keep that in mind. Holy Spirit, reveal that to us today and to the people today. You are one. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, with that in mind, we go to the last set of scriptures, which is three to, or six to nine, three, six to nine. Then Joshua spoke to the priests saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you shall command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. That's fascinating. It is God who selects leadership for his kingdom. God does that. Man doesn't do that. Schools don't do that. Education doesn't do that. God does that. As we follow and obey the Lord, we are being trained for our future. So if God has called us, that's different than going to school and getting a training for it. Because God has called us, beloved. Now listen carefully. I just want to say this. We've got to stop looking at people who lead us and saying, well, I believe this, I believe that, and if they don't, they're out. Hold on a minute. Let's begin to do what Romans chapter 13 says. Let's begin to pray for, and let's begin to ask the Lord to move on our government because God can change the heart of everybody, president or prime minister. God can change their hearts. If enough people decide to pray, you know what I think? I think God will listen. And I think that's something we should think about. Instead of complaining, we should pray. Jesus Christ spoke to us and told us not to be afraid, not to be troubled by these times. 
This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of God's final reconciliation with the world. God is going to make things change in our lives. And this is very important. He has selected you and myself to live in this time. And I find that absolutely amazing. Well, as we carry on with our Bible study, today I want to talk about some of the daring escapes made throughout the Bible. And one of those escapes is the escape of the two Israelite spies as recorded in Joshua chapter 2. But did you know that the Apostle Paul also had a very similar escape? In 2 Corinthians 11, the Apostle recounts how well in Damascus he was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall to escape the hands of those who wanted him dead. You know, this type of escape clearly is very ancient in origin. And what's really interesting is that baskets like these have continued to have been put into use in the modern age. Check it out. The Reverend James Freeman in his 1874 classic work, Manners and Customs of the Bible, documented how when a certain Professor Hackett was in Damascus, he saw a couple of men come to the top of the wall with a basket full of rubbish which they emptied over the wall. A friend said to him, such a basket the people use for every sort of thing. If they're digging a well and wish to send a man down into it, they put him into such a basket. And that those who aided the Apostle Paul's escape should have used a basket for the purpose was entirely natural, according to the present customs of the country. Judging from what is done now, it is the only sort of vehicle in which men would be apt to think under such circumstances. Such baskets were round and shallow and likely resembled the same one the apostles slipped away in. The Bible records this getaway in Acts chapter 9 verse 25, as well as 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 32 and 33. The Jews had conspired to kill the apostle, so he was lowered in a basket from a window in the wall, rather than leaving through the city gates of Damascus. This was possible since the wall of a house was sometimes also a portion of the city wall and thus windows may be placed in the wall through which access may be had to the region outside of the city. The floor of an upper story sometimes extends beyond the wall, giving an opportunity for a bay window projecting outside the wall. Either of these methods would afford a chance to escape from the city without passing through the gates. Interestingly, these sorts of escapes took place even long before the time of Paul. In fact, at least a few of God's people were saved in like manner. For instance, thousands of years earlier, in the time of Joshua, the Canaanite prostitute Rahab had provided two Israelite spies a similar means of escape from the city of Jericho. David also was saved in this way. As 1 Samuel chapter 19 records, King Saul was threatening his life, so Michal, his wife, let David down through a window, and he fled and escaped. The fact that a modern Middle East custom is directly connected to those practices recorded in the Bible should not surprise us, for the Bible is an accurate record of exactly what took place. But more than this, and as the Apostle Paul himself declared, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as I mentioned in the segment, the Bible records real history. These are real people, real places, and real events. So we shouldn't be surprised that we find connections both in the past and the present. The Bible, after all, is true and what it claims to be more than 3,000 times. 
the very word of God, a claim which nobody has ever been able to overturn. Nobody in 2,000 years has ever been able to really counter that. And that they've, they've discussed the interpretation of the Bible in many ways. But I find that absolutely fascinating. That is really good, Ryan. Thank you. Corey? Yes. So because we're here at the beginning of the book of Joshua, like I said earlier, there there's a lot of stuff that happens in the first few chapters of Joshua. And over the weekend, in your reading over the weekend, there's going to be a lot more that happens. The first several chapters of Joshua are really jam-packed with really interesting events. Uh, but definitely the most famous event has to do with Jericho and the, the taking and the destruction of Jericho by the Israelites. I mean, this has prompted scholarly debates, layperson debates, all sorts of wild theories about what could have happened and what, what may have happened at Jericho. But let's take a look at the argument right now. Let's take a look at this ancient site. The ancient and biblical city of Jericho has been the site of many physical battles in history and today remains the center of a fierce intellectual debate over the date of Jericho's violent destruction. The key players in the original argument are John Garstang, archaeologist who excavated Jericho in the 1930s, Kathleen Kenyon, who was asked by Garstang to review his work and herself excavated there in the 1950s, and Bryant Wood, an expert in Canaanite pottery who reviewed Kenyon's conclusions once her reports were available. The controversy began when Kathleen Kenyon announced her conclusion that Jericho was destroyed in 1550 BC. In biblical chronology, Jericho was destroyed around 1400 BC, meaning that if Kenyon is correct, Joshua marched around ruins for seven days. Kenyon dated the destruction of Jericho based on the absence of a certain form of imported pottery that was popular during the time after 1550 BC. Since she found none, she argued that the city was destroyed before its introduction. Several problems with this theory have been pointed out by Bryant Wood, who's noted that Kenyon not only excavated a very small area of Jericho, but in her own evaluation, she excavated an impoverished section of the city. If expensive imported pottery were to be found at Jericho, it would not be expected in Kenyon's test area. Also noted was that in excavation reports of Garstang, he did find this pottery during his earlier larger excavations. Wood has gone on to evaluate much of the archaeological evidence discovered, showing how it lines up with the Bible. The city walls were discovered fallen outwards, creating a ramp up into the city. A section of the wall with houses built into it remained standing. A very thick destruction layer of debris and ash was found in every area excavated, showing the totality of the fiery destruction. And grain storage jars were found in the ruins full of charred grain. So not only was the city destroyed, in the springtime, but it was not besieged before its destruction, and the attackers didn't plunder the city. They left the most valuable resource to burn. So there we have it, a quick overview of Jericho and the really interesting site that it is. Over the weekend, we're going to be, there's there's a lot that you're going to read that we're not going to cover here on the show, but don't worry because on Monday's program, I'm going to come back with a few more archaeological insights uh, to, to help you with some of the battles that you're going to be reading about over the weekend. Now, there was a, uh, a video put out by... Uh... I think it was Bryant Wood um, on the second battle for Jericho mm -hmm. and all of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, Time Magazine reported on his discoveries, by the way. Well, he wrote he wrote an article for Time Magazine yeah. back in the 80s, I think. Yeah, I remember reading the article mm -hmm. and being shocked about it. But uh, that because Kathleen Kenyon had chosen yep. to date 
uh, that the, the, you know couldn't happen because there was no there was an absence there. of a and certain she, kind of a Cypriot pottery. Yeah, she actually was wrong, and uh, well, it's debated. But yes, there is a very very good case for that debated, that very thing that she it looks like she was wrong. Yeah, well, by but I would see, I would say she was wrong. But anyway, and uh, and it, this has been very very much an interesting study over the years. Mm-hmm. Is the in the recent years, in the last forty years, is Jericho itself, and uh, what happens? I went to Jericho uh, when when I was in Israel, and we were with the team, the TV mm-hmm. team, and I went there and uh, saw a part of the wall. Very cool. That was still there. Yeah, it was still there. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, well, you know, that's somebody's place there because inside of it was a place to live. Yeah. Yeah. And they claimed that that was Rahab's house. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a section of the wall that still stands. Her house was in the wall. The Bible says that there was a section of the wall with her house in it that still stands. So, so I, it yeah. makes sense. I was <laughs> the very place where the spies escaped. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for us seeing this. That's excellent. Very, very good and uh, very important. So that's really something. Now, tell us more about this uh, weekend uh, podcast you do. Yeah. Okay. So uh, on the weekend, every Saturday on my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Corey Babechko, my husband and I release a chapter by chapter recap of the week's reading because we know that the reading schedule is really fast. So it's easy to fall behind or to read so fast that you miss some of the details. So we're trying to get you caught back up. We're trying to help it really uh, stick in your mind. So if you are interested in looking at the recap, then check out my YouTube channel every Saturday. And also, it's believe it or not, we put it on the uh, the app for the phones, both iPad or right, the Bible Discovery and iPads, of course, Mm -hmm. and and this phone as well. It's the Android twenty, which is having problems right now. But nevertheless, (laughs) great. uh, The Android is another way that so it's on there as well, and uh, it's very interesting because we can keep up in reading the Bible. Now, remember, we like to say that it's important that we read the whole Bible. Now, not everybody can because nobody can, you know, everybody's like, I can't read that fast or whatever, but about half the people. But I say, that's okay. Follow us. And in the Bible guide, we cover about 15 verses a day, roughly, Mm -hmm. some less, some more, but 15 verses a day. And if you can afford to read 15 verses, it's very quick. Then the eight minutes I do on teaching on those 15 verses, all we're asking you to do is get in the Bible for those coverages of those verses and you will get a whole a section of the whole bible and you'll begin to understand it god will help you so if you don't if you don't or you can't read through the bible that's okay just follow us and get the bible guide because the three points from those 15 verses are in the bible guide and you can continue to study with us and i wanted to say that because a lot of people have said to me, this is the end of February. And a lot of people have said, well, I can't, can't keep can't up. Get, and I, can't, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I don't want you to get discouraged. Just read the 15 verses as we go along and go through the Bible. Hey, you know, think of it this way. You know, when you start an exercise program, when you're somebody like me and you don't typically exercise and, and you want to start an exercise program, you don't start with the advanced level of, you know, an hour a day of, of, of cardio because you know you're not going to make it. But if you start out slowly, and the same with the scripture, if you can't read, like Rod says, you can't keep up, that's okay. Just read a small section. And I guarantee you, if you put your heart and your soul and your mind into it and you're really seeking after the Lord, your hunger is going to grow 
for his word. And, and you will find that you'll be reading it more and more and more. And if you miss a day, you're going to notice it. Whereas before, you, you don't. It's like when you start eating better, too. You don't know how bad you feel until you switch and you start to eat better. And this is the perfect nutrition. It's the bread and the water of life. When you start putting that in, you'll see a difference. And it you makes get a hungry difference. for it. That's you right. get hungry for there it. There you and, go. Uh, that's, that's something I can say because on the physical side, because I've had to change my diet in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you do. All right. Are we ready for the question? Okay, are you right? You guys ready for the question? Because it's a good one. Are you ready? I'm not sure, but all we're right. going to find ready out. Ready as, as we ever will be. You're, so. Yes. Well, you know, you guys do all right. And so do you at home. I know. I hear. I, I, I read the letters. All right. Here we go. Moses commanded the people of Israel that when they crossed over the Jordan, they were to set up large stones and whitewash them with lime. Now, the laws of God were to be written on them. On what mountain were those stones to be set up? Were they to be set up on Mount Ebal? Were they to be set up on Mount Gerizim? Or were they to be set up on Mount Hermon? Which mount do you think these were supposed to be set up on? We've conferred. We're competent. Yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mount Ebal. Well, I don't know what you came to in your answer at home. But if you agreed with Ryan and Corey, you are absolutely right. Congratulations. It is Mount Ebal. Deuteronomy 27 verse 4 says, Therefore it shall be, when you have crossed over the Jordan, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. Very very good. Yeah, and and this is fascinating because you know you look at this ancient landscape, and sometime we'll see it better. But you look at it, and you see these possible places, and it's really good. And hey, take heart. Back to the question: If you got it wrong, it's okay. Now you know the right answer. Three times a week we pray and we pray for a lot of things, but it's important for us to remember to pray for our leaders. And today we need to pray this way for ourselves. Lord, I fully submit myself to you. Please work in me. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to know what that means. Help me to understand what you're saying so I can do so. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. 